Hey guys, what's up? It's another episode of Flick City. This is episode 77. For this one I have, it's a special Paradise City Flick City installment. I have two interviews. They are Chuck Russell, the director behind Paradise City, and actress Priya Lundberg. She is a Thai-Swedish model. She is a Goodwill ambassador. Just very interesting person. And it was great to talk to her. And I'll talk, I will explain why it was a special moment for me on a on a Thai level. Okay. And also, I'm a huge fan of Chuck Russell, just the, of Eraser. I mean, that's one of his previ- previous movies. The Mask, Scorpion King. Really enjoyed that. I Am Wrath. Thought that was underrated. John Travolta film from 2016. So I was excited to interview Chuck Russell, the director behind Paradise City. And Priyat Lundberg, who I'd never heard of before until the interview, and she's wonderful in the movie as well. She plays a detective. Paradise City itself, the plotline, centers on a bounty hunter played by Bruce Willis, who at the beginning of the movie, he catches a very priceless, expensive bounty, and the bounty person is is masked. But before he can collect on his reward, he's surrounded by a bunch of mercenaries and offed immediately. So enter his son, Bruce Willis's son. Bruce Willis, his character is Ian Swan, and the son is played by actor Blake Jenner. So what happens is Blake Jenner is obviously pissed that his dad is dead, and he actually goes to Maui, the setting of the movie, to find out what happened to dear old, old dad, a.k.a. Ian Swan. So really enjoy this movie. And you know what? If you want to hear a full review of this movie, check out our Find Your Film podcast as Bruce Berkey and Eric Holmes give their take on the movie. Bruce at least thought it was a, of an entertaining film, but Eric Holmes was not a big fan of it. I am a, I am a fan of this movie, so I enjoyed myself with Paradise City. Again, like I said, Chuck Russell is the man who really loved it. Loved the Maui settings. Also, I'm a huge Stephen Dorff fan, so I will love him in anything. So enjoyed a lot of parts of this movie overall. For me, it's three and a half out of five stars. It is in theaters right now. Also available on digital and on demand. So you're going to be treated to my interviews first with Priya Lundberg. And also, finally, I'm going to wrap it up with an interview with Chuck Russell. Okay. And yeah, Blake Jenner's character is Ryan Swan. His father is Ian Swan, played by Bruce Willis. And the bad guy is John Travolta in the movie. I'll also post a clip where you get to hear some dialogue from Paradise City. We have Bruce Willis's character, Ian Swan, meeting the bad baddie, John Travolta. And they have a really nice sort of a verbal showdown in a lounge bar where John Travolta is eating some Wagyu steak or Wagyu. How do you pronounce it? I'm I'm broke, so I, I've never had a Wagyu or Wagyu steak. So please hit us up, hit me or Anderson up and tell me how to properly pronounce this friggin' steak. But anyways, yeah, Paradise City, why was the this Priya Lundberg interview special for me? Well, since 1991, I've been doing interviews, been doing interviews, never have I interviewed or talked to, from my recollection, a fellow Thai person. I'm part Thai and Filipino myself, and Priya Lundberg is Thai and Swedish. So it was really cool in a, in a weird way because, not in a weird way, in a, in a human way, because when I was young, five or six, I lived in Thailand. I knew the language and we left after the fall of Saigon and we moved back to the U.S. I was actually born in New York. We moved back to the U.S. and I told my parents, I do not want to go to Thai Sunday school. And I put my foot down and, you know, they... Sh- Dear old dad, he would not, uh, rest in peace, dad, he, he would not let me, he he listened, he acquiesced, he said, okay, son, you don't have to go. And I regret it. I regret being a brat at five or six because I lost the language, the, I lost the Thai language. So it was great to interview Priya Lundberg, who, who grew up in Thailand, grew up in, I believe, in Bangkok. She knows Thai and she's had a very, she calls herself a global citizen. She's with um, 
you know, as a goodwill ambassador, she's traveled throughout the world in different places. And yeah, so she's a well-traveled person. I am not. I don't know the Thai language. It was great to actually talk to her about what would have happened if I actually lived in Thailand and got to know the language and maybe possibly went to an international school like she did. But anyways, that is that interview with Lundberg. Also, the Chuck Russell interview talked about his career. He's actually dipping into the cryptocurrency world regarding NFTs and the blockchain. He's actually looking at the blockchain as a way to possibly fund or shepherd different independent cinema. So he has one foot, Chuck Russell, in the commercial world with movie studios, but he also has another foot in possibly seeking new avenues as far as creating content and pushing films via independent films via this whole blockchain cryptocurrency world. Now, as we speak, thanks to FTX and Luna and all these things, there's a lot of cryptocurrency stuff that is very news that are that is understandably negative but let's say long form maybe there might be a shot who knows maybe long down in the long run maybe there might be a shot regarding the relationship and merge between cryptocurrency and filmmaking okay so that's an interesting interview as well i cut out the the end of my interview with chuck russell because he talks about the ending very briefly of paradise city and he doesn't really specifically get into the weeds of what happens I actually talked to Bruce and Eric after our review for Paradise City. We briefly talked about for maybe three or four minutes about our take on the ending of Paradise City and if we liked it or not. So we're going to put that content with me, Bruce and Eric of Paradise City spoilers, along with Chuck Russell's comments on the ending of Paradise City specifically for our Cinematics Patreon feed. So if you see Paradise City and you want to hear Chuck Russell's take on the ending, or extra information regarding how he shot the ending. That's only going to be exclusive for our Patreon subscribers. What's also exclusive is a recent interview I did with Kyle Gallner. Dinner in America is, I believe, Anderson Cowan's favorite movie of this year. So I got to actually talk to Kyle Gallner one more time, another time for Smile. It's coming out, I believe, on Paramount Plus soon, as well as digital on demand, etc., etc. Blu-ray and DVD. I can't wait to get the Blu-ray down the road. Now, I asked Kyle about the ending of Smile. If you have not seen Smile, it's a, in my opinion, it's a five-star banger. I really loved everything about it. I'm a thriller guy. Thriller, film noirs, and westerns are my favorite genres. And this thriller, even though it, it is couched in horror, there are some horrific moments in this movie. It is paced exactly like the, like a thriller. And at the end of the movie, my goodness, the end of the movie is very terrifying. It's made, this movie has made over 200 million globally. So I'm assuming a lot of you cinematics listeners have already seen the movie. If you want to hear Kyle Gallner's specific take reactions regarding the end of Smile, check out our cinematics Patreon feed as well. So along with our, with a bonus episode that Anderson and I are doing this month in November. He's doing the Weird Al Yankovic. His pick is the Weird Al Yankovic movie, UHF from 1989. From 1989, my pick is the, it's a film Cousins. Have you ever heard of Cousins? It's a movie directed by the recently, uh, he recently passed away, Joel Schumacher. Was it last year or this year? Or anyways, Cousins is a beautiful movie. I saw it back in 1989 as a freshman at UCLA. I was an idealistic, romantic, idealistic kind of dude. I remember being moved by this film and loving Isabella Rossellini and Ted Danson. I believe William Peterson's in this movie as well. I haven't seen it for over 30, 33, 32 years because I wanted my sense of the movie, my my feeling, my affection for the movie to sustain over the years. And But I'm realizing as I grow older, that's a horrible way to uh, looking at cinema where you keep your feelings about a movie in a box and you never open it or a bottle and you never 
you never let it come to shore. And it's, I think now for this Patreon for November, I'm letting it come to shore, so to speak. And for, for cousins, it's going to be 33 years since I've rewatched the movie. And let's see if I still have the same affection for cousins as before. Anderson and I have never seen that movie UHF. I only saw a brief clip of it back in the day when a good buddy of mine was showing a VHS copy of UHF for about a couple of seconds. And it's weird because back in the eighties, I used to really love Weird Al Yankovic. There's a, there's a, song called, I think, Dare to be Stupid, and my favorite Weird Al Yankovic song. This is back in the 80s. I used to sing this one song called One More Minute, or One More Minute with You. I really, it's a classic song. Anyways, I, I definitely need to listen more to more Weird Al Yankovic down the road, and maybe even see Weird, the Al Yankovic story, with, which stars, I believe, Daniel Radcliffe as Yankovic. Anyways, that's a lot of stuff to take. Paradise City, Priya Lundberg first, and secondly, we have Chuck Russell, Thank you guys so much for your support with me and Anderson since 2000, 2015, 2015. And yeah, we're now Bruce Berkey and Eric Holmes are on board. So they're going to be supplying some more Patreon content, content for you cinematics listeners. If you are not part of our Patreon, look, Eric Holmes is actually doing some more interviews as well. And I'm, I'm going to be housing those interviews that Eric Holmes is doing as well for our cinematics Patreon feed and, or no, not our Patreon feed for our cinematics podcast feed. So. Whether or not, any way, any which way you can, I think that's a Clint Eastwood movie. Thank you so much for your support, guys. And hit us up. Tell us what movies you're watching. We, I think bottom line is I need to learn from you guys too. What are the movies that move you? What are the movies that you recommend for us to see? Because we, we're just four people. We're, we have our blinders on regarding movies that are that come our way on a, on a given basis, on a weekly basis. We would love to expand our watching, what is it, palette or canvas or whatever. So hit us up. Our cinematics at gmail.com, editor at deepestream.com, Anderson's email. I'll, I'll put all the emails down there, but just hit us up. We'd love, we'd love to hear your thoughts on movies that move you, movies that you've seen recently. I'm going 100 miles a minute and I apologize. You know why I'm doing this? Because earlier this morning, I was doing a, an intro for cinematics in a, a different cinematics introduction and I sounded like I do how I usually do in the morning, which is, Hello, this is Greg. This is Cinematics or Flat Phil City 77. And that was just too, I know my voice makes you want to sleep anyway. So I'm trying to punch it up, make it a little bit faster. And hopefully I won't be doing this anymore. Anyways, Brian Lundberg again and Chuck Russell. Thank you guys. Love you. Talk to you later. Bye. Your man needed some fresh air. Do you mind? Well, let's say you have managed to invite yourself to my table and interrupt my dinner. Now, who the hell are you? My name is Swan. Like the bird. Now, why would I buy you a drink, Mr. Swan? I'm looking for a friend of yours. I have no idea who this is. And if I did, why the hell would I tell you? Now, if you don't mind, I would like to go back to my delicious Wagyu steak. You're funding a candidate for a senator. If this man was anywhere near you, you need my help. Are you saying that this man is dangerous? The FBI, I think so. What about you, Mr. Swan? Are you, are you dangerous? Not to my friends. Well, that's too bad. Because I have enough friends. Hi, Brian. I'm Greg. Pleasure to meet you. Nice to meet you. Thank you for taking the time to interview me, sir. Okay. Um, you know, before I start the recording the interview, I've been doing interviews since 91. And you are the first person of 
part Thai descent for me to ever interview. I'm Thai and Filipino, so it's it's just a an honor for me oh, to interview you. Thank you so much. Oh. That's world to me. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I really loved how this movie had so many talented actors. You have so many different performers in different stages of their career. It must have been a thrill for you, this entire immersive experience. Oh, it's such a special experience. I was so honored. Um, honestly, I felt so grateful every day I went on set and just to observe and watch and learn like a sponge from everyone. It was just amazing. John Travolta is such a talented actor. Bruce Willis is amazing. Blake, Stephen Dorff. I was just surrounded by very talented, um, compassionate. It was such a great set. <laughs> Did you have to practice learning the kicks and that action sequence? Because I can barely move up the stairs at my age. What was it like for you to plant those kicks and plant yourself on another human being while you're attacking them? So that well, person. Being Thai, I have like um, a lot of practice with Muay Thai when I was living in Thailand. It, it, I've always enjoyed it. It's a beautiful art form. And obviously fight choreography is very different to doing you know, a workout class in Muay Thai, a fight, fight choreography is like doing a dance. It has to be a very mindful cinematic kick that would look good on camera. And you have to be able to like do it over and over and over again around the same height and the same speed. And I, I've worked on that kick a lot before because it's, it's a standard Muay Thai kick. It's, it's go straight into the neck. And I just, that day was, it was actually the first scene that we've shot ever so I was on set and that was my first scene with the six hour fight sequence um but it was it was so great because to to actually show something that I've been practicing for years and uh part of my culture it was really special to me yeah the, I, I really love Chuck Russell as a director what was it like for you to um to actually travel to so many beautiful visual setups especially I'm thinking Paradise City what was the, what was what were those shooting days like because it just seems like a great a place to shoot outdoors oh it was beautiful Maui was beautiful i mean i've never been working with chuck is amazing he's so talented he's he's taught me so much to just learning with him on set um he has such a warm and open personality but also at the same time when he's like on set, he cracks the whip. He gets all these like crazy shots that when he explains it to me in the morning, I'm like, okay. And then when I see it, you're like, wow, okay, Chuck is amazing. Um, and Maui was beautiful. It was like, such a surreal experience. I mean, I, I don't, I haven't worked on any other projects, but I have to say that I don't know if I'm going to have a project that feels this special again, if that makes sense. Once in a blue moon, you you just every day you step on set and you're like, wow, this setup is magical. The people are amazing. I love the script. I love my character. I love the director I'm working with. I'm like, wow, is this real life right now? It's a pinch. You know, Price, speaking of real life, you're actually the first person I can actually ask this question to. You know, at 50, 51, I've always wondered, I my first several years were growing up in Bangkok, and then we, we moved to uh, the States, and I've been in Los Angeles since... I was 10 and, and I, yeah, I don't know if you're getting it, but yeah. So I, um, I was just wondering what was it like for you to grow up in Bangkok and you know, the language and you know, the culture, this is a big part of your home. And I, I've never asked anyone, what was it like to actually live there? Because 
I I left and I refused to to take Thai Sunday school at Wat Thai over here. <laughs> I really regret losing the language. I lost my father several years ago. So the only thing that connects me now is the people and the food. But you're on the other fl- side. You've you're, you you call yourself a world citizen. So what was a what was it like in Bangkok? And did that living there did that give you that sense of purpose you were talking about years ago in your TED talk? That sense of purpose in serving others as far as your own needs and living that fulfilled life. Yeah. I honestly thank you for that question. Special. I, I'm very proud to be interviewed by a half Thai too. To be honest, it's very special for me. Um, I I loved growing up in Bangkok. I think I was very blessed that I was able to experience both cultures. Like I went to international school, I was surrounded by so many different nationalities. I speak English at school, but at the same time, I came home and I was shooting, you know, Thai Lakhon, speaking in Thai, reading in Thai, writing in Thai. And Thai is such a beautiful language. Sounds like Pasat, right? It's like um, derived from Sanskrit. So I I love our culture, our religion. You know, Thailand's a very spiritual country, as you know. It's a very, everyone is just spiritual, happy, and giving. Because uh, you see how much people struggle in life, how little they have, you know. Uh, growing up, I went to a, a very good international school, walking to school every day. You just see that the minute I go to school, I see all these beautiful cars, all these people with a lot of money. And then all I have to do is go buy my lunch outside of the school. And I would see uh, someone sitting on the streets selling food. Who had absolutely nothing. So constantly seeing that wealth gap and growing up with it truly does shape your reality of, you know, if, if we were blessed enough, to be in a position to give and to help others, then why, you know, why wouldn't we? Right. Mm-hmm. And it's also a big part of our religion too, you know, metta like means compassion. So the four pillars of Buddhism is to have compassion to, in order to cultivate good karma and, and do good deeds is to have compassion for your fellow human. And I think growing up in Bangkok, you, you really feel that, you know, it's a special place. You know, speaking of special, what's it like for you to balance your acting career with your, yourself being a humanitarian and you traveling all the world, all over the world, you know, as a spokesperson, as a model, there's so many different careers that you have. Has, was that always intended or did you mature into this, these diverse array of um, life paths, I guess? That's a really good question. Thank you. Uh, uh, for me, I feel as though... When I started to act, I thought, okay, so acting, it's a craft. It's something that makes me feel passion. I get to understand humanity better by living in someone else's shoes, all these different characters' shoes, learning more about them, learning more about myself in the process, and at the same time, sharing the gift of human connection through acting with something that I'm passionate about. But the more I did that, I also realized that, you know, people in entertainment, whether it's an actress, a model, a singer, we, we do have a, a far reach and quite a loud voice. Our platform is quite big. And when, when you realize the power of good that you could do with the platforms that you have, you, the natural thing to progress to is humanitarian work, raising, you know, raising awareness for those who don't have that platform, who those who don't have that voice, for those who, who can't speak for themselves that they are in pain, they need help. And 
So I just, I naturally progressed into humanitarian work. And I think that, you know, nowadays it's, it's, if you have the opportunity to do what I do, it's, it's great to be multifaceted. It's, it's great to be able to experience many different lives in one life. You know, I think it'd be sad if I didn't explore all these other options. And I'd say all these other things are just as important to me emotionally as acting. Yeah. You know, Paradise can Paradise City can actually be enjoyed as pure entertainment, and I really enjoyed it. But was it cool for you to to be in a movie where your character is very layered, meaning she's not exerting her force or violence upon upon people just for the sake of it? She's really tied to the land, the people. She's not judgmental. Were these kind of the layers that you really loved about your character, as far vis a vis the whole fabric of the story? Well, I yeah, I loved Savannah because she. She was so proud to be Hawaiian, very protective of the local community. It is such a big core part of who she is as a person, even though she has this tough exterior, but she has this softest inside. And what I did was I got Savannah to gift me her courage, her strength, her toughness. And in return, I gifted Savannah with my vulnerability, my sensitivity and my softness. And I think at the end of it, I've learned so much from Savannah, and I hope Savannah has learned something from me. No, probably a couple of final uh, questions. I, I was, I'm so, I love when someone said, when you said that you're a world citizen, meaning over over your entire life, you you've traveled to so many places and encountered different cultures. So my question for me, I'm sort of a hermit. I like my movies. I like staying in one location. I, I'm too scared to venture out out of uh, Los Angeles. But what is the what is the allure for you in being a world citizen? And when someone devil's advocate say, well, I just like staying in one place because I wonder where my home is. How would you answer that question? You know, so. Well, secretly I am a home buddy too. <laughs> I do, especially after COVID, all that time spent at home alone. Sometimes I still get nervous about traveling, but all these cultures I've gotten to experience. I mean, I feel so blessed. Truly, in the sense that I'm not talking about luxurious holidays. I'm not about any of that. I'm talking about a lot of my UNHCR work during the time visiting Bangladesh, visiting Colombia, Venezuela, um, the Syrian border by Jordan. I mean, all these places that I could never in a million years dream that I would get to experience these cultures, um, these hear them speak a completely different language and see literally you know what happens during conflict how families are torn apart how um how actually would happen to human civilization if we were to fall apart a lot of these places that i got to go to i got to see human resilience and such unique cultures and it was just i have to say it was the most surreal experience of my life in the last 10 years traveling to all these camps traveling to all these places i in the sense that when i say world citizen i think that you know even though we may not speak the same language every time i visited these places when someone is telling me their story of how you know they flee their country how hard it was how being separated from their family is torn their heart apart you 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 might not understand what they say you hear a translator translate but through seeing their facial expression seeing their pain you do understand the human experience. We may not need to speak the same language. We don't need to be from the same culture. We don't even need to have the same political views, but a hundred percent, the core of our heart, our core values are exactly the same. 
we want the same things, security for ourselves and our family, a safe place to grow and live and thrive and human dignity. We all want the same things. And on that ground alone, I think we're all, we're all very much more alike than we care to admit. So I mean, I've gone to all these places, but I found a little bit of me and a little bit of home in all these places naturally, because we're all, we're all kind of the same, you know? Yeah, I, um, uh, by the way, thank you for so much for your time. Very quick question before you go, can you, right, off the, right off the top of your head, can you name your, one of your all-time favorite films? And what is it about this movie that, that speaks to you uh, even today? Magnolia. Paul Thomas. Oh, yeah. Because I could see myself in every character. If you watch it carefully, every character, there's a bit of your side, your humanity in it. I mean, even the, the child actor who was too afraid and forced by his parents. I felt that when I was younger, the wife who's like upset, just traumatized, freaked out, angry. You see yourself in Julianne Moore. You see Tom Cruise, the man who's been hurt before and then comes up with this tough, egotistical exterior of hating women you you see yourself in all these different characters they're essentially they're the human personality all these different personality traits and all these different characters i i love paul thomas anderson i love magnolia i could see it over and over again i think it's a great film uh speaking of films really enjoy paradise city thank you so much for your time prior and i hope i hope we talk down the road again on, on more of your future projects of course. Thank you so much. Thank you for taking the time to interview me. Thank you. Okay. Take care, Brian. Bye-bye. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. Chuck, my first question is Paradise City. You've, you get, you've received this question quite a bit. What was it like just pairing John Travolta and Bruce Willis again? I mean, you've previously worked with John uh, several years back and it must be great. I guess from a movie, the movie fan in you, not just the filmmaker, but just was it great seeing them with their respective showdown towards the end? Of course. I mean, every scene with them was was terrific. I, look, the part of the reason for doing this honestly turned out to be that pairing. Um, the we developed the script was originally developed for Bruce. And as the as the antagonist became more and more iconic, I thought, well, maybe John would be willing to do this, bring these two together and see what uh, it's like a chemistry experiment, see what sparks happen after all these years. So that that was ended up being the 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 very special joy of directing this particular film is bringing those two great stars together. But your ensemble, you could have easily you have you have these international stars at the top. But can you just you know, just giving Pry Lundberg a shot, Blake Jenner as your lead, and then just you didn't have to add this, Stephen Dorff, Stephen yeah. Dorff, who brings great grit to this story. Yeah, I mean, can you just talk about just just corralling that ensemble where you could have not done that? You just went that extra mile with these excellent actors to bolster your narrative. Uh, doing a piece that's a bit of an ensemble. Uh, obviously, our two leads are are the key to the story, but we needed a great ensemble cast. Uh, Blake Jenner is particularly charming, has done romantic comedies and and different dramas and things, but he had never done an action film. So I, I, I wanted to make something really fresh at the same time topped by these two iconic actors. I love bringing up new stars or introducing new stars to a Western audience. Priya Lumberg is a big star in, in uh, the East and in her home country of Thailand. Um, and I thought, well, this is a great opportunity to, to bring her into this whole adventure in Maui and to this particular cast. And she can kickbox. Besides being a terrific actress, she's, uh, she's the real deal. So she's, we never doubled her. She's, her action is all Priya. 
Those were great. That was a great kick and a great leap, by the way. Um, you know what? In 30 years of interviewing, I don't think I've ever, I'm Thai and Filipino. I've never interviewed a Thai actor or actress. And that was great to actually interview her, you know, for the first time, interview someone else who's Thai. But she, she is charming. Did you enjoy the interview? I really liked working with her. Really nice, very intelligent and very well-spoken, just really wonderful person. But to that end, Chuck, I wanted to talk to you about, as a filmmaker, you could have easily been um, and maybe I'm uh, maybe I'm wrong on this, but you could have easily been one of these Hollywood filmmakers making movies after movies under the system. But you're talking about introducing new stars to the to the world. Can you just talk about your, you know, traveling to India for a couple of years to shoot, you know, your yeah, previous you know, film? It's true. I I I I love doing what we think of as Hollywood films. I have other pictures. One in particular, uh, it looks like I may do within the studio system that I. I love those people. A couple of the executives are good friends of mine, but independent film has a special magic. You're really, you're returning to the years of the auteur that where Spielberg and Lucas grew up in the seventies doing this kind of thing, uh, where I'm, I'm a writer, director, producer. I have a great team surrounding me. You're giving, you're giving a shorter time frame and maybe fewer resources, but with a story this good. And I knew I could bring that cast in. Um, it becomes a real joy. There's greater momentum. There's a greater quick pace of shooting. Uh, and as a director, you may deal with some shortcomings and it's not an unlimited budget, but you use your wits and with a great, a great crew around you, which I had the good fortune of having, uh, it becomes a different experience. It's higher momentum. It's honestly more youthful experience. Uh, it's a lot of fun. So that's the joy of independent film. The 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 problems that arise is you can't just solve things with money. You have to you have to keep your head on your shoulders. And also as a director, I based around Travolta, who comes from a theater background, as I do, um, he was willing to do table reads with in different forms with different individual actors and with the whole cast that got us all warmed up before the shoot ready for with the good performances you see. You know, you're, we can go back to Cameron Diaz in The Mask and not being a gatekeeper when it comes to casting for certain faces for Hollywood. Can you speak to the level, even something like, you know, you don't have to, you, you didn't have to co-create A Nation if you didn't want to, because you have such a great career and it's, you could be on this certain road. Can you just talk about, it's one of these things, obviously we're in a state in the economy right now where it's up and down, but it's really, can you speak to the fact that with blockchain technology, artists can actually emerge and audiences can have you know, a this voice. Is, this, this is, you're talking about a nation media, uh, which is a tokenized production company. We're just launching um, all of Hollywood uh, responds to that idea. They're kind of waiting to see what we do and we have some great plans, but to the best example I can give you the point of doing that. We love Hollywood. We love the Hollywood systems, the star system, the agencies, the distribution, the studios, uh, as I said, I, I I am developing one film in particular, which is a larger studio film. But but it would be a lot harder to make the mask today because those studios every year have become more corporatized. Amazon just merged with, I believe, MGM. I mean, it, it, things are always changing, but towards it seems to be leaning towards a greater bureaucracy, which puts greater pressure on creativity. I couldn't explain to new studios, why Cameron Diaz should be the female lead in the mask these days. There'd be a much greater pressure. She'd never even acted before. But I saw the legitimate uh, chemistry 
uh, Jim Carrey was better reading those scenes in audition with Cameron Diaz than he had been in any of the other Stanley Ipkiss scenes, the non-mask scenes. Uh, so chemistry is real. And I think it, that carried the film. If we decentralize film to the extent that I can use new starts, make those middle budget films and use our studio systems for distribution, eventually the blockchain um, will have the bandwidth that it may become new streaming services. All that's happening right now. So this reminds me a lot of the CGI revolution I jumped on with the mask. I understood CGI. I couldn't understand why nobody else understood we could apply it to dance and comedy. But New Line trusted me. Um, now I think there's going to be some really inventive new ways uh, that blockchain will help me bring new filmmakers on, new stars on. As I notice the studio systems, a greater drag on the kinds of movies that are made and the casts that are in them. Uh, this rises a need for uh, for other other sources of film finance and film production. Chuck, am I overstating the point that, you know, obviously because of uh, beautiful American cinema like John Ford and and all these really great filmmakers came from the French Nouvelle Vogue and from there, the 70s pioneers. Do you see other people? You're a cinephile, sir. Good for you. Yeah, just like you. But Chuck, are you seeing people along? Do you see maybe a possibility where there could be an army of filmmakers like you where they're seeing the, the possibilities of this kind of independent cinema vis-a-vis -vis blockchain. Absolutely. Uh, uh, new filmmakers and traditional ones. Um, my old partner, Frank Darabont should be shooting right now, but he's, he, I can't speak for Frank, but his sensibilities are such that, that he doesn't do well under levels of bureaucracy expressing doubt about certain creative decisions. So again, I'm very pro Hollywood. I think there that we can provide more content for Hollywood uh, there's more opportunities for new kinds of equity uh, in that Hollywood requires anyway. So I just see this as a, you know, film is always changing. What, what film is and how we watch it is always chain, changing. So I do think there's a positive, uh, uh, there may well be a positive outcome to the whole crypto ecosystem and blockchain technology um, that that uh, is being evolving right now. Great. Chuck, final question for you. The first question is a spoiler question that I'm only going to say for my Patreon subscribers. But the first question is, from your body of work, Chuck, do you, can you uh, name one of your films that you feel is is underrated and you would like our listeners underrated. to? Yeah, underrated and you, you really love and you would love uh, for people to see. That's my first part of the question. Um, I Look, I think a big part of what I do is is reaching out into the pop culture with my instincts. I, I'm here to please the audiences. So I take maybe not individual critics 100% seriously, you know, because I, I think action films and comedy are far underrated. My God, what it takes to do these films, especially for the stars with the discipline and there are physical risks on my sets. It's always safety first. Um, so I think action movies in general are underrated. Um, but I I listen to the global audience. You know, I think my job is to resonate with the global audience. The only film that didn't get the release that I thought it deserved was The Blob, by the way, all the way back in the day, uh, which is considered a classic now. But it, 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 historically, that distribution company was changing hands. And I, to my shock, there was there was very few ads for the picture. So it didn't do well, but it eventually got, you know, cult status. 
And it actually holds up well. So maybe I would have to say all the way back in the day in the blob, my other films, I I'm grateful for the resonance it's had with the audiences, things like Scorpion King. I'll see randomly playing on Thanksgiving day or something. And ancient times movies holds up fantasy time movies like the mask hold, hold up over the years. Uh, so I'm all about a global audience and films that I think can, can touch people or elevate their day uh, kind of in an evergreen way over the years. So it's one of the things I strive to do. Chuck, thank you so much for your time. Really enjoyed Paradise City and hope to interview you down the road again. Yeah, great interview. Thank you. Thank you so much.